Hey everyone, it's Ian Shapiro here with Politics Explained. Let's get right to it with our favorite segment, Trump Tweets Explained, for Sunday, July 16th, 2017. Trump says on Twitter, Hillary Clinton can illegally get the questions to the debate and delete 33,000 emails, but my son Don is being scorned by the fake news media? Well, Donald Trump is of course referring to a quote that he had from the second presidential debate back in 2016, where he said, you, referring to Hillary Clinton, get a subpoena, and after getting the subpoena, you delete 33,000 emails. Now, PolitiFact rated this a half true because Hillary Clinton's team did delete 30,000 emails after being subpoenaed for Benghazi-related emails on March 4th. However, here's the caveat. The FBI found no evidence that the emails were deleted deliberatively to avoid the subpoena. In fact, Clinton's team had already requested for these emails, listed as personal emails and not work-related, to be deleted months before the subpoena even came into their office. The team also argued that all of the emails that would be relevant to the Benghazi-related subpoena had already at the time been turned over to the State Department. For all these reasons, PolitiFact and other groups rated Trump's claim as a half-truth. Donald Trump also tweets, with all of its phony, unnamed sources and highly slanted and even fraudulent reporting, hashtag fake news is distorting democracy in our country. Well, first of all, the last few stories to use unnamed sources were things like uh, Comey's releasing of his memo to a friend to then go to the New York Times, and also the New York Times reporting on the Donald Trump Jr. story. All of these used unnamed sources who had, you know, in information or were close to the primary sources, and they all ended up being correct. So honestly, as a casual observer, places like the New York Times and the Washington Post, excuse my language, have been on fucking fire. Their unnamed sources have been pretty damn good at revealing what actually comes out to be objective truth later on. Donald Trump is correct that fake news is distorting democracy in our country. As Thomas Jefferson once said, you know, the key to having a strong democracy is to have an informed and engaged electorate. And if you are not informed well, but you are engaged, well, then you probably are distorting democracy because you're making sure that your interests and the good interests of your the people around you and your country, you know, they're, they're not going to be well represented if you don't actually know what's going on in the country and how it affects you and people like you. Hey, that was Trump Tweets Explained. Now let's see what's in the real news. Hey, what's going on with you, my man? So, first off, I want to tell you, I want to give you a lot of praise, a lot of honor, and a matter of fact, I'm going to applaud this segment that you did for actually taking the time, actually taking this time to do this Doris activity, which is to decipher 
to decipher this. I have a GED, so obviously I don't pronounce words that right. But to decipher, to dissect what the f is Donald Trump talking about when he tweets? I don't think anybody really has a sure for sure idea what he's talking about. In fact, I like to I like to argue that even the Republicans, even his own people, don't even know. I think I think I think Donald Trump tweeting is almost the equivalent of to what black people felt like when we heard James Brown singing. We felt it, but we didn't understand it. The James Brown would tell you the song, Shama Hama Shama Hatama, and you just had to roll with it. And I feel that same way about Trump's tweets. But I respect what you're doing, bro. Keep it up. It looks as though the Senate is going to postpone the GOP bill that they currently have underway to repeal and replace Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. This delay comes in the wake of Senator John McCain, well, having eye surgery. Well, not exactly eye surgery. The Republican senator from Arizona is recovering from a pretty meticulous brain surgery that was performed on him last Friday. And basically, they were removing two inch long blood clots from his left eye. Uh, <laughs> despite this, the, uh, the uh, press has said that the surgery has been described as minimally invasive, even though they are removing a two inch long blood clot from a senator's eyeball um anyway this is kind of funny because this health insurance is afforded by well senate health care which in the current senate health care bill basically senators are allowed to keep their great health care that uh <laughs> they're kind of tearing away from other people so it's kind of a an on flavor reason to postpone the senate bill if you will at the current moment, we have two GOP senators who are hard nose on the bill. That means that Mitch McConnell can only lose out one other senator. Uh, if you want to know kind of individuals that may be on the fence, think of Ohio's Rob Portman, who is currently undecided, but resides in Ohio, an area where the opioid crisis is at its worst and where pulling back Medicaid expansion could be devastating for the people who live in the Midwestern bellwether state. Political scientists have some great advice for Daenerys Targaryen. That's right, the Queen of Dragons. <laughs> and we, with our advice, are going to help her take over Westeros. Here's what political science has to say on how the Queen of Dragons can be just that, the Queen of Westeros. Well, Machiavelli tells us in The Prince that you should not be someone like a Ned Stark. You can be too virtuous for your own good. In fact, in order to gain power, you need to listen to individuals like Tyrion Lannister. You must be cunning, manipulative, willing to defect at any point. You need to join forces with individuals like Peter Baelish, right? That may sound awful, but it's how you're going to get power. Now let's talk about actually taking over King's Landing and the Iron Throne. Cersei Lannister is a one-woman regime. She's a dictator who will not leave her throne without bloodshed, that is for sure. And she's not in any kind of position to believe Daenerys would offer her any kind of safe uh, transition of power into a nice retirement setting. From a political science perspective, it would be in Daenerys's 
best interest to have a go-between. And who better than Tyrion and Jaime Lannister, right? Jaime speaks for Cersei, and Tyrion speaks for Daenerys, and they try to come to some sort of agreement. While this may not work, it's at least better than just resorting to bloodshed outright. Now, by whatever means Daenerys does obtain the Iron Throne, she has to think about what she gonna do to keep it. The short answer is, of course, dragons. But we owe it to ourselves to be more creative than that. Sure, your military power is sourced by dragons, but there are ways to kill dragons that cunning individuals that use, you know, magic in Westeros are probably going to be able to do. In the event of, you know, dragon side, you need to start thinking ahead and choose and commit to what kind of leader you're going to be so that you can get the non-supernatural folk on your side. Uh, will Daenerys do what she did in Essos, which is kind of liberate the common folk and establish something like democracy? Or will she decide to support uh, mostly existing powerful families? Whatever she decides, she needs to be engaged in the coalition building process and not just burning potential coalition members at the hands of her awesome but limited in lifespan dragons. Now let's say that Daenerys kind of follows the process that we've seen her evolving throughout the seasons and does establish a democracy. This can be dangerous as, you know, interested politicians in different localities will begin to control information flows in those small areas via newspaper control, and they'll also control political power via patronage. We've seen this in the United States context at the local level as well. In this case, majorities may start to form and establish within whatever legislative body that's set up coalitions that will over time usurp the mother of dragons and her executive power. Also, she needs to be thinking about how to best defeat the White Walkers. Does she set up a parliamentary government that would be best for wide coalition building and getting you know everyone on board with fighting these guys? Or does she keep a presidential democracy where, as Alexander Hamilton would put it, provides the decisive action and power of an executive that can actually make wartime a lot easier for the citizens of Westeros? And by make wartime easier, I mean don't get slaughtered. So while you're watching Game of Thrones tonight, always be thinking like a political scientist. Yeah, that murder was really cool, and man did those dragons really burn the flesh off of that asshole. But at the end of the day, Daenerys needs to think about good governance. Not only for herself, but for her people whom she claims to love. If you enjoyed this, tell a friend about Anchor and Politics Explained. For more great political content each and every day, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro.